From breach of warranty to negligence, the construction attorneys at Sandberg Phoenix are ready to assist you. Sandberg Phoenix's construction team identifies problems and finds solutions before, during, and after the construction process, freeing up your time and providing you peace of mind. Contact Sandberg Phoenix today at sandbergphoenix.com. That's sandbergphoenix.com. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely on advertising. Welcome to Build St. Louis, the region's new podcast that's capturing and sharing the very heartbeat of construction and development. I'm your host, Carrie Smith, owner of Information Works. And in this episode, we're delighted to welcome Scott Byrne, St. Louis Regional Director of the Mid-America Carpenters Regional Council. And as Regional Director, Scott's responsible for building relationships with local contractors and industry associations and truly advocating for the union's members. He's a graduate of St. Mary's High School in St. Louis, and he immediately joined the Carpenters Union as an apprentice carpenter and worked in that capacity for a decade. Scott was elected to serve as financial secretary and treasurer of Local 1596, one of the largest locals in the regional council. Scott served in that role until 1997 when he was appointed business rep for the union, and in 2021, he was named St. Louis Regional Director. I love your motto for leadership, Scott, and it is this, good leaders take people where they want to go, great leaders take people where they need to go. So Scott, welcome to Build St. Louis. It's great to have you here today. Thank you. Let's dive right into our topic, which I kind of gave the nickname of hammering out solutions to the construction labor workforce shortage. And I know that this hammering has been taking place for some time and organizations like the Carpenters has constantly, constantly been looking for the best and brightest. So I know that it's not a new topic to you, but I wanted to start by saying I continue to see a lot of tower cranes in and around St. Louis populating the Central West End and other areas in the city and further westward and on the Illinois side. And so to me, that anecdotal view, the construction sector in St. Louis still appears to be vibrant and healthy as ever. From your perspective in terms of workforce, is that the case? Are we still a bustling center of activity in terms of construction? Absolutely. Quite frankly, uh, last year, 2022, we produced just carpenters alone produced over 25 million man hours in the in the state of Missouri in our regional low. That's never happened in the history of the carpenters union here in St. Louis. I can tell you that. So things are going very well for us uh, in the construction industry. We're looking two to three years out, quite frankly. Projections for Bloomberg and everybody else with interest rates coming back down. We look to future being very bright here in St. Louis and the region across. That's awesome, Scott. Just to put it in perspective, that 25 million man hours, what is that? I know 2020 was probably an anomaly, but what? how does that sort of fit into man hour totals in the past several years? Or where would, where would you slot that in terms of to compare it? So, so we've grown over, over time, uh, we've always had a goal of 24 million man hours for the last 10 years. We've gone from 18 million man hours, we might hit 20 million, we'll hit last several years, we've hit, we've been close to 25, but just under. This year, we've topped over 25 million man hours. Now, that is so impressive. And tell me again, the size of the membership of the regional council, like in the states that you guys represent. So currently, we've just merged with our friends in Chicago. So we have the entire state of Illinois. We have a little piece in southern Iowa, but mainly the, the entire state of Illinois, the entire state of Missouri, and the entire state of Kansas. That represents over 52,000 members. 
Wow. So that's positions you to speak well to the workforce. And my follow-up question to seeing all the construction activity in your man hours, I bet recruiting, recruiting is more at the forefront than it's ever been just to make sure you've got the workforce to complete these jobs. There, There's no question about it. We, we've been recruiting for many, many years. The key to this is in the recruitment side of things is we used to go to job fairs years ago and stand behind a six-foot table and hand out a brochure and a plastic ruler and say, hey, come join me. And this was their junior year of high school, right? Uh, most of those kids, we figured out that they've already figured out where they're going. Okay, those days are over. We have created interactive job fairs for kids across the state of Missouri, uh, namely through the HBA and the AGC. HBA created a, a Build My Future interactive opportunity for kids. But the days of standing behind a table are we're out in these schools, we're out in schools, we're out in churches, we're out in, in, you know, at fairs talking to these kids. And what we like to do is we like to interact with their parents as well. We want their parents to be involved with this process. That helps them get to their goal line. Are you starting younger too in terms of kids that you're talking to? I mean, is it earlier than it used to be high school now? Are you talking to grade schoolers or middle schoolers? Absolutely. I'm very fortunate to be on a school board out in Washington, Missouri for the last 15 years. And they finally started listening to me and understanding. We, we're actually going out into uh, second and third grade classes. I'm reading, reading a small book to a kid at second and third grade and building a birdhouse. You get about 30 to 45 minutes with a second grader, right? I mean, the attention span is really large, but we start there. And these kids are having fun because they're touching something, they're doing something different. And then we have programs that will extend beyond that to get into the sixth grade. We're, uh, we've got a build academy out in Washington, Missouri. We're actually building a doghouse with a kid. They're getting embedded credit sort of thing. So we're touching second grade, sixth grade, we're in the high school. So we, we're starting very early. And I will tell you, it's I, I see that it's promising. We hear the, the stigma of these the people that are coming to the trades are, uh, it used to be for us, the average age coming in our trade was 28 years old. It wasn't 18. We're seeing a, we're seeing a flip in that. We're seeing the younger kids. I was at a meeting last week where we had 16 new members come in a local, and every one of those kids was between 18 and 20 years old. That's very promising. That is, and that's very different than the last time I think that I spoke with you all about that. Is part of it, too, starting with the kids younger so that you have more time to educate the parents as well? And, and if there's any kind of perception issues, you've got a longer kind of on-ramp with that? Absolutely. You know, I... I like to share a short story. What we had some kids that we went into a third grade class, and we several years ago, and we read them a book. We did the birdhouse. I was getting calls the the next year from the fourth grade teacher saying, "Hey, these kids just had a great time last year. They want to know when they get to build their birdhouse." This is all gone all the way up through a sixth grade class where I met a parent at a, an open house who broke down in tears, telling me how the program we created for her daughter has opened up so many different things for her. She didn't have friends prior to that. She is very extroverted now. It just changed her whole world. So what we're doing in these grade schools, middle schools, is actually really helping our recruitment in the high schools. There's no question about it. That's fantastic. And like you said, it's a, you're adding to not only their educational potential, but to their social and community and growing enhancing the family and maybe giving their brothers and sisters ideas too about their careers. Absolutely. 
That's a great. Well, and I, I kind of skipped off my questions here a little bit, but I was looking back to see this issue of having to educate people, educate potential workers younger and younger. That's not just in the St. Louis region. I imagine your counterparts in other parts of the country and the carpenters are experiencing the same trends and the flipping of the early ages and all that. Are It's not just a St. Louis situation, is it? No, absolutely not. Matter of fact, we're very fortunate. Our international, the Union United Brotherhood of Carpenters, our national group, has created career connections. So this is a component that goes into these schools that we've created our own math curriculum just for high schools. And we are currently, I can say in the state of Missouri, we're in 114 high schools with our own math curriculum currently. And this is nationwide. Now, this is just isn't the state of Missouri. This is nationwide. And essentially what this is, is our international has created their own math curriculum. This was our ploy to get the so-called classes back into the high school, okay? You know, we, we used to have shop classes many years ago. Those have gone away. This was a supplement to that sort of thing. So essentially what this is is project based learning, PBL, you'll hear a lot about. And essentially what this is, is we have a curriculum for the students and most of these schools are actually given embedded credits to their kids in English and math by taking this course. And essentially what it is is a hands-on course as well as a book course. And you get to build projects throughout this curriculum. And at the end of the year, we have what we call the industry-recognized credential. They will take a test. If they pass this test, they get advanced standing in our apprenticeship program. So typically it's the junior and senior years where we capture these folks and get them excited about having hands-on learning. They not only get this curriculum into their head and they understand that there's an opportunity out there to get a job, but it introduces them and then gets them into our school and gives them advanced standing. So maybe a four-year apprenticeship turns into a a three-and-a-half-year apprenticeship. Wow, how excellent is that? Won't it be exciting? I don't know how long has the Career Connections been going on. I'm thinking it'll be super exciting when you can track those success stories. Yes, so the the Career Connections has been in effect for over a decade. You know, a gradual growth throughout our brotherhood, which is all 50 states. So some states are adopted, some are not. This is a DESE, Department of Elementary and Secondary Education, has adopted this and has recognized this curriculum and some a lot of these school districts are actually giving those embedded credits to the kids so it's not only introducing them to the trade it's giving them advanced standing in our program once they high school saying hey you know what i'm not wasting my time and you're taking this not knowing i'm gonna start over when i get out of high school they get advanced standing out of our How awesome. And then they come to you where they've got all that education and they might not have had, like you said, the the old shop classes and things have long since disappeared, I would think. And how wonderful for the educators that you're adding that back in. Yeah, we've taken it a step further. We're out there recruiting or talking to the school districts and offering externships. We're offering professional development days at our apprenticeship schools. So we'll bring up six math teachers from a school district to our apprenticeship school, and we'll show them how we deliver math curriculum to a carpenter, okay? Uh, sitting at, at the school, reading off a whiteboard and a bunch of numbers is one thing. But when I can turn that into how I deliver trigonometry, I don't tell my carpenters they're learning trigonometry when I teach them rigging. We talk about rigging. And we have fun learning that math. And I've taken that and brought teachers in from high schools and said, let me tell you how I teach trigonometry. You know, Pythagorean theorem. When I say that, first of all, most people can't spell it, let alone know what it is. (laughs) And an 18-year-old kid falls out of his chair when you say 
lay out a building with the Pythagorean theorem. But if I tell a carpenter to use a three, four, five method that I taught them, it's the Pythagorean theorem and they can lay a building out very quickly. I threw this out to a group of six teachers several months ago and they were scratching their heads to figure out how to lay out a building. And they teach this calculus and this geometry and trigonometry. They teach it every day, but the practical use, they couldn't figure it out. Wow, that's so fascinating. I could tell this is going to be a second conversation with you about some of that and just talking with your project managers and people that see, but yeah, what a shift. What a shift in how to teach and learn so that it's relevant to the working world and the build environment. Well, it's my job to make it sexy, okay? <laughs> exactly. Use that term. I got to sexy up a construction worker. Back in the days, construction worker was rough, tumble guy, gal, whatever it was. It was mainly a guy. Let's face it. Uh, and that shift has changed. And we got to sexy it up a little bit and make it for these younger kids to show them that there is an opportunity for a career, not just a job. How fantastic. You know, and you just did a great transition, Scott, into the question I was going to ask you about with women and minorities and just traditionally been just matter of fact, a small percentage of anyone's construction workforce. Sounds like that's beginning to change. And are there any in particular programs that you're doing to kind of increase those percentages. Yes. So our nationwide, our international has created what we call the Sisters and the Brotherhood. It's a fantastic program for outreach to the females who traditionally haven't been joined in the trade, right? Just speaking to women in construction, next week is Women in Construction Week. We're bringing all of our females in and we're having a happy hour here at the Carpenters Hall and we're going to sit down and talk to them about their experiences out there. We've gone one step further. We have a female instructor at our apprenticeships school, which it's unheard of in most of the industry. And shame on us for not doing that 15, 20 years ago, right? You know, they are part of our group. We are promoting them tremendously. Good friend of mine has moved up to as a superintendent for one of our large construction companies in St. Louis, running the major project currently here in St. Louis. So they are making their pathway through with the Sisters and the Brotherhood that we've created. That's great. I wanted to ask you a little bit about, I mentioned in your biography about the advocacy that you do as you build relationships with you know, local contractors and industry associations. And I don't know much about that mission or pillar of the carpenters. So I don't know if you could share a little bit about maybe even in the St. Louis region, who you're working with and who you're, how you're advocating for that. Yeah. So every speech I give at any council meeting or local meeting has the word relationship in it. Every single one. My job is the relationship builder is what it is. There's three groups out there. There's the contractor, there's the owner, and there's the labor organization. That's supply and the manpower. If we're three together, not working together, you don't have anything. We are extremely successful here in this region because of that. We have a great relationship with the management and a great relationship with the owners. I belong to the St. Louis Council of Construction Consumers. We meet once a month and it's the big owners from BJC to Mallinckrodt, Anheuser-Busch to the contractors, contractor base, and the labor organizations. We meet once a month and talk about best practices. What can we do to make the construction industry better? What can we do to recruit not only minorities, the females, those sorts of things? What can we do? The paradigm has changed, okay? The white male in construction, those days are over. So we need to understand where that's coming from and this younger generation coming in. I'm 57, okay? I'm starting to become one of those older guys, but I need to understand it's called transformational leadership. I need to understand the fact that that 20-year-old person coming into this trade thinks differently than I do. And until I start figuring that out, it's going to be a rough way to go. But we have a great relationship with the management and the owners in this town, but second to none. That's what's made us so successful. Well, I'm 59, so I've got two years on you. <laughs> but I hear you on trying to think like a young person, no matter who I'm talking to. When you meet with those owners, is there a common theme to 
to kind of the needs that they bring you? I'm, I'm curious from their side of things, what do they ask of the carpenters in terms of, you know, what their needs are? Safety's number one. No question about it. And there ain't another craft in this town that does safety better. All the unions in general, I can speak for because I know about most of them. Safety is priority number one. So we want to send the worker of choice on that job site to be safe. That's number one for all these folks. Number two is uh, sending them a workforce in general, right? So I have a hospital to build and I need X amount of people here. It's my job to go out and recruit those folks. So those two are the main topics. And the third topic I hear a lot about is minority participation, trying to make sure we're outreaching to these folks. And I can tell you, we spend days on end meeting with groups that 25 years ago I would have never said I've been sitting down with the ecumenical leaders of the region. I wouldn't have been sitting down with uh, these church folks or a bishop over here to try to get into the churches. We're in United States probation and parole. We're meeting, we're in every prison in the state of Missouri, offering our curriculum, wanting to have this career connections to get adopted into the prisons. So when these folks come out, they've got something out in front of them. So we have reached far wide, and the three topics I told you about these owners are asking for, we're trying to do our best because if we can't supply them, we're not going to have jobs, right? And that, that's what this is all about. Very good. In terms of, you know, your workforce, are you generally, trying to think how to ask this in a best way, do you generally have enough manpower, women power in your membership, in your geographic territory, or are you having to bring in additional workers to handle some of these? big jobs? So that's a great question. Now, that's probably a better question for our contractors because we think we do a great job in recruitment as well as retention. But every single day I get a phone call and saying, I've got 16 foundations sitting and no carpenters to build these houses. Okay. So I went one step further recently and I had reached out to my boss in Chicago and said, we got to think outside the box here. I've done recruitment every single day of the week in this local region. I'm going outside the region. I know there's a bunch of home building going on in Nashville. A lot of it's not union, and we've shied away over the years of, you know, Hispanic workforce. Okay, those days are over. We need workers. So I've just recently been in Nashville recruit. I've been in Atlanta recruit. I've been down in Arkansas recruit. I'm going outside the state. It used to be you go in your little neighborhoods, you recruit, and you get what you can, and that's supposed to be good enough. That's not good enough anymore. We're reaching outside our, our comfort zone and doing whatever we can to recruit these folks in, into the trade. So when you do the recruiting effort, let's say you mentioned the Hispanic population, then are you recruiting them in and kind of doing the, the sales pitch, if you will, to become union? Like, like that would potential recruit would be someone who's not in a union shop now. Yes. So essentially what we're doing is we're going to these areas, and let's face it, probably down in Nashville where there's not a lot of union construction going on. So they're working for a lot less, very little benefits. We have an unbelievable wage and benefit package here locally. When you roll that out, a lot of folks like it. Some don't. Some we're dealing with on a cash basis in these areas. And it's a little bit of education, quite frankly. Me talking to a Hispanic doesn't work. So I have Hispanic organizers that can talk to those folks and say, this is what you're going to get if you come to us. Now, and we've recruited quite a few folks out of Nashville, I will tell you. They were used to making about half of what they made down Nashville. They double what they're making here. And our contractors are extremely happy with their productivity, by the way. So it's been a win-win for us going outside the local region to recruit because we have a very productive workforce. I can tell you 10 years ago when I went on a job site and there were 20 carpenters building that building, today you're going to see 10 or 15. Okay. 
So we're doing it with less workers. Uh, you know, automation's come into play. There's a lot of reasons why, but we are extremely productive on the job site. And that's what's winning every single day uh, to bring these folks in and show them that they can make a better pay. They can make a better set of benefits and live a better life, quite frankly. That's great. For the example with Nashville, where do you find people? Imagine you can't, you know, kind of go up to them on a job site working for somebody else and give them the pitch. Like, where do you, might be not be a smart question, but where do you find them? So where do you have a dialogue with them? Yeah, so we actually do go on job sites. My guys are driving down the street and they, they see 15 guys in a corner building five houses. They're going to stop on every one of them job sites and they're going to introduce themselves. They're going to spark up a conversation and say, hey, let's talk. This is what we have to offer. You know, some people don't want to pick up their whole family from Nashville, move to St. Louis, but there are great opportunities out there. We are. We're stopping on job sites. We're meeting with churches. We're meeting with schools. We're meeting with the prisons and saying, okay, where are your folks at? You know, we've got people out there. There are people out there to do jobs. I mean, I'm not saying that the workforce is down and we're struggling, but there are opportunities out there. We just got to turn over every rock. Wow. That's certainly entrepreneurial and innovative. That's great. You know, I'm out of questions and you answered more I didn't have that were awesome. Anything else that you want to add about what you want people know about the mission of the Carpenters in and around St. Louis? Yeah, really. One thing I want to address is, you know, my model here is to think outside the box. Okay. We can't do what we did 15 years ago. It doesn't work. Okay. We got a different workforce. We a different culture. We got to go outside that box and create different avenues for folks to come in. We didn't used to go to churches and say, hey, where's your congregation at? Do they need jobs? Let me just, we're doing that now. We created a program at apprenticeship school here locally called the PATS program. It's a tactical training program. And it's a three-week program where we bring your folks in typically minorities, minority folks and women, bring them in. And it's a three-week program where they don't get any pay. They come on their own. And I will tell you, with this program alone, coming through our program, going three weeks of training in our school, they're guaranteed a job when they come out. And the success ratio after one year, retention is 84%. There is not a program in this country that can say they've got 84% retention rate after one year, that they're still on the job working. And this has been a huge success for us here locally. I will tell you, it's a way out of the box thinking, but we start from the ground level, teach them how to open a construction trailer, showing them what is inside a construction trailer. We start from the beginning because I can tell you when these people join the trade, they get in and they figure out it's too hot, it's too cold, it's too hard, people are yelling at me, all these things that never happened to them before. This happens in this tactical training program for three weeks. So they either flush out or they don't. And our retention rate has been 84% after one year. A lot of programs out there will tell you they have large retention rates, but it's the folks that just graduate from the program. It's not the folks a year later. We went one year later on that program and it's 84%. That is phenomenal for keeping people in the trade, which is another one of my jobs. But I, all I can speak to is that program. Then there's a BUD program, Building Union Diversity. It's a more of a building trade program. It's a fantastic program. They have 80% minorities, 26% female coming through there. Their graduation rate is 92%. We're not sure where they're at after a year, but it's a great graduation percentage. What I can tell you is what we're doing here locally is worth thinking out outside the box. We're not doing what we did five years ago, I can tell you that, because that didn't work. So we're getting innovative and creative. Like I can tell you there's, there's a lot more things happening in this local area that are going to go to prefab, to the automation, those sorts of things. And we're on the cutting edge of every one of those. Our international has helped us groom our local group into discussing. We start with a third-year apprentice. They get to go out to our international training school in Las Vegas, and they learn what it is to be a third-year apprentice. 
journeyman training, leadership training. We have called what's called transformational leadership training. That's to teach a guy like me at 57 how to communicate with that 20-year-old person because there's a 40 million of me and there's 80 million of them. So we better step aside at some point and understand they're going to be running the operation. We need to change the way we think and we'll be just fine. But I can tell you the outside-the-box thinking this council has done has put us on the map. There's no question about it. That's so impressive and so exciting to know and to hear all the innovation. And I look forward to future conversations with you in print and on this podcast. Scott, it's been really eye-opening and impressive what you guys are doing in the Carpenters Council. In this episode, we've been delighted to learn from Scott Byrne, St. Louis Regional Director of the Mid-America Carpenters Regional Council. And Scott, thank you so much for being here today and for sharing just a picture of all the innovative things that you're doing with your men and women and minorities and everyone that comprises the council. It's very inspiring, and I'm going to thank you you the next time I drive out today and see more of those cranes. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you today. Here at the Mid-America Carpenters Regional Council, our glass is half full. Things are great. They're great. And not only the near, but the distant future for our organization and all the building trades. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for being here today. And I look forward to learning from you again. And again, this has been Scott Byrne, St. Louis Regional Director of the Mid-America Carpenters Regional Council. And I'm Carrie Smith from Information Works. And this has been another episode of Build St. Louis. At SM Wilson, we transform landscapes, communities, and minds by harnessing the power of relationships. As a trusted partner, we enrich lives by building spaces to live, work, heal, learn, and play. We have built a reputation for more than 100 years as a design, build, construction management, and general contracting firm that puts people first. We're 100% committed to your project. SM Wilson, Beyond the Build.